My name is Kevin Hines. I jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. I believed that I had to die, but I lived. Today, I travel the world with my lovely wife, Margaret, sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. Now, we help people be here tomorrow. Welcome to the Hindsights Podcast. Hello! Mr. Mr. Action. Mr. Action, that's his nickname. Hi, Trey Humphreys. Hi, how are you? How are you? Good to see you, brother. brother. What is going on? Nothing. I'm excited Uh, to be here in the studio. One of my two friends in our new home, Atlanta, Georgia. This is great. Mr. Humphreys, I've got a lot of questions for you, sir. Well, let's see what happens. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's roll with it and see what happens. I want to I wanna get right into the nitty-gritty. <laughs> what in the hell happened in Zambia? Well, I was actually in Zambia working um, on uh, building some schools, actually, for some kids in this conservation project at one of the largest chimpanzee refuges in the whole world. And so we were there for a couple of weeks helping build the schools, and I got to interact once in a while with these chimpanzees, and I was doing a bushwalk with three of the chimpanzees and one of the guys that was supposed to be in charge of said chimpanzees uh, who had basically a stick and that's it. It was it was kind of sketchy, but we're, we're walking along and the second we turned the corner and we were away from the one dude who's in charge, all three chimpanzees attacked me at the same time. So one grabs my foot and starts trying to pull me into the woods. Another one jumps my back. I mean, this is lickety split. The fastest thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. And prior to this, they had told me, if, if anything happens, don't, don't resist them. There's nothing you can do because these things are a lot stronger than you are. Just can't they, they crush your skull with their hands? They can, yeah, they can crush the whole world with their, with their two fingers. So finally, the little guy let go of my foot. And I was like, okay. And then he grabs, and I was wearing camouflage pants. He grabs my pants, wham, ripped them clean off. And now I'm shaking, standing there, and then the guy came around the corner, and they just lined up and just kept walking like nothing had happened. And there I am, no pants, shaking in the middle of the forest. Uh, <laughs> the chimpanzees yeah. out and out, Mister. They look at you like this. They're yeah, like, they, they know yeah, exactly what's going on, and they're like, I can attack at any time, but you know, give me some food. Basically, is what happens. Right. So well, it was good being here. What, uh, we'll what, see you next you time. Know, what What was the lesson learned? Was there Was there a lesson learned? Uh, what, <laughs> what, 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 do we, what do we take away from this? <laughs> Don't hang out with chimpanzees. But yeah, yeah, they're smarter them. than we are, and they're stronger than we are, a and that's stronger. a bad combination. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you were born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Born and raised? All right. Tell me about being raised in the South. Being raised in the South? So, yeah, I was born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia. My parents are from the South, and it was kind of fun, but it's, it's boring when you live in the same place your whole life, hmm. I think. Oh, it's not boring. It's good. You, you meet connections. You grow your friends and all that stuff. But for me, it was my dad was an alcoholic when I was growing up, so he was kind of out of the picture. He was in the picture enough to cause problems and then out of the picture. And so I was an only child growing up. And so my dad was my, like, he was a superhero, right? He was my, my whole world. And when he was sober and on point, he was the most charming man in the world. And then when he wasn't, it was just like a whole different person. So I had a lot of that chaos. And my mom's amazing. She did the best she could and got us through. So, you know, looking back when I was going through it, it was like everything's normal, right? I just thought everything was normal. But now I can see some of the patterns I developed 
when I was growing up, you know, I built some walls. Were we supposed to go this deep, this quick? We're here, I, we're, I, I, we're, 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 I don't know. We're, we want to get into yeah. the depth of, of your story. We want to know what's going, what, what, what makes you, yeah. what makes you tick, what makes you the person you are. Yeah, yeah. So why not? Let's get, let's get in. If, you, if you're, if you're comfortable awake to it. Let's yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. So you know, for me growing up, my dad, back to him, he was a super entrepreneur. And my mom was raised in South Alabama, so and her parents were like depression folks, so she's kind of tied on the money and a little hesitant, and a little fearful. So I have this mix of super entrepreneur, take risk, dad, and mom is like save, 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 worry, 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 and I'm right in the middle. So it was an interesting upbringing, but it was a lot of fun. I've become a creative person, which is fun. And in that creativity, mm -hmm. uh, you have two bars and a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that? We give them a plug. We're What's yeah, it like yeah, to eat yeah. there? What's it like to yeah? So you know, a little bit about my story. I was I, I went to school in Auburn College. That got me nowhere because I graduated with a zoology degree, right? Yes. Because I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to go to vet school. Want to help those chimpanzees? Yeah, I wanted to help chimpanzees. I want to be with all the animals. And then the vet school looked at my grades, and they're like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe you don't get them in our school. So I got denied vet school twice, uh, and so I graduated with a zoology degree, which gets you nowhere. For me, I interned at the Atlanta Zoo here in town where I took care of the gorillas, fed them and cleaned after them and cleaned after them and cleaned after them, uh, which was a really killer experience. And then got out of school. And when I was in college, I was a mascot. Do you know what a mascot is? I do. Okay. That was one of my next questions. Do they have mascots tell in me, Australia? Tell, do we no, have Australia? Well, let's ask the resident Australian producers. That do you know what there. I'm, Okay, great. <laughs> so you don't even need What was the costume you were wearing? I need to know. All the, I was we, and By the way, do we have a picture we, we put up in the screen? Yeah. The yeah, we I think so. I think so. We'll so. give them that. All right. I think what so. is the costume you were wearing? Uh, in college, I was a tiger. I was a tiger, which is basically a thousand pounds of carpet with <laughs> eye holes where you can breathe about this this wide. So it, it would get to about 190 degrees in that costume. And, you know, I, I was really skinny, which still am. And sweat and all that stuff. So when I graduated from college, I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I didn't get to vet school. I got a good job. My first job out of college was at a pet shop, which is super weird. And then I started calling pro teams, like, Professional baseball, professional co or, or professional football, any of the pro teams. See if I can, they would hire me as a mascot, and uh, one of the teams hired me, and so I became what, a professional what, mascot. Pray tell, what team? It's top secret. Oh come on, top secret. You can't do that. It's an NFL team, okay, which is football, what are American football. What are their colors? And they're in Atlanta, okay. <laughs> so and it was I wore yellow tights because I was portraying a falcon. Uh -huh. And that's, just, that's, that's all I'm going to do. As far as we can go. That's as far it's as I'm going to go. So I, was, uh, I started doing that, which gave me some time. And then, and then I started the Fur Bus, which is a party bus company. And then I started DJing in the bars. And I, ran, I got, came across a bar deal, so I bought a bar. And then I did a restaurant. So I own a restaurant now. And, uh, you know, I've had this entrepreneur journey where if I get interested in something, I want to do it. Right? Like. Always wanted to be in bars, like get a bar. Or, DJs are cool. Try it. You know, my my whole philosophy has been like, if you're interested in something, try to do it. Right? Like, why not? That's what Maybe life's all about. Having experiences and stuff. So, I've been blessed to have some some good ventures in the entrepreneur world. But I often tell people I'm more of an artist than I am a businessman. Right? I see myself as an I was a mascot. How can a mascot be a <laughs> businessman? 
So that's a little bit of my journey, and here I am now on podcasts and blogs and stuff with yeah. you. And we're glad to have you. Thank you. So, so you, you've been a DJ. I've been. You, a DJ. you started a fur bus. Fur bus. Now, just to be clear, for Let's those, for those, maybe there's a grandma and grandpa watching right now. No mm-hmm. offense to how old you are, however old you are. It's fine. You're great. You're amazing, just the way you are. But I want to know if they don't understand what a fur party bus is. Yeah, break it down. So, when I got out of college, my buddy and I bought a limo for fun. We always want to buy a limo. We painted the pink out, painted the outside pink, and put a bunch of fake fur on the inside to make it look, in my mind, like the old pimp cars that you know you see back in the seventies, whatever. Just completely obnoxious and outrageous. And so the the car was very popular. And then it died, and then the next year we bought a little school bus. Same deal. All this crazy fur on the inside, and just obnoxious. And we drove it to Las Vegas for New Year's. Packed a bunch of stupid costumes. And then when we get we got back, the bus got real popular amongst our friends. And so eventually I was like, well, maybe we should start a business. I mean, it's super popular. And so that's kind of how it started. So it's a limo bus, basically, with a bunch of crazy fur on the inside and lights and sound and all that. And it's for people that want to have a good time, go out, special occasions. Uh, it's called the fur bus because obviously there's a bunch of fur in there. And we've done, I think our oldest birthday party is a 92-year-old man on the fur bus. So they how get on there. How old is he today? He, today, he's probably 180 because we started. Okay, this is wild. <laughs> no, he was about five or six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. And did he have a good time? Oh, yeah. He, he crushed it. He crushed, he crushed it. it. He's yeah. having a blast. Does the party fur bus business still exist? Yeah, yeah. We're still running. It's coming running. up on 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. In and around Atlanta. In and around Atlanta. I want to focus for a minute. Let's get right. focused. In your DJ career. Favorite song. Favorite, favorite song or favorite genre? Favorite song. So, you know, I'm a 70s disco guy, and my favorite genre of music is EDM music, house music. Like, I play a lot of house music, and I love the big festivals, the electronic festivals. I'm a little too old to love it, but whatever. I go to them, and I love to dance, and I have a great time, and I love that kind of music and the beat and the production and everything. Love it. And I love to dance. I think people that dance are the healthiest people in the world. Oh, I would have to agree. Because they just, there's just something about them. They don't care what people think. They're just, we're not good dancers, but we're just no, dancing, right? You just, it's just, you know, so the dance music is my, is definitely my EDM, favorite. is that that like, yeah, 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 yeah. What am I doing? I don't know. But you're, I love you're a DJ I'm now. a DJ now. And I, I tell you, our videographer uh, slash filmmaker slash extraordinary human being, Tyshawn Cooper. Hello, Tyshawn. Tyshawn, he dances all the time. I'm, I'm doing it, Tyshawn. I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. He'll just walk into the house and just start dancing. And I love it, man. It's amazing. Makes He's probably smile. super happy, makes dude. Me smile. He's smiling all the time. Makes see? Me, makes me smile. Just see him smiling. I tend to be a... I dance in the shower. And that's, that's TMI, but I said it. What are you going to do about it? I said, Here's, Here's an interesting story since we're talking about dance. I heard a story of a guy a couple of years ago. And when I heard this story, I was like, that is how I want my life to be. This story is if I could my life be one way, it's, it's all encompassed in this story. And what it was, was there's this 95-year-old man that kept asking for an iPhone for Christmas from his family. Same as like, well, you don't know how to use an iPhone. You know, whatever. And he's just like, I want an iPhone. I want an iPhone. I want an iPhone. So they got him an iPhone for Christmas. And it turns out the reason he wanted an iPhone is so he could download Uber so that he could take Uber to this dance on Friday nights. And I'm like, that's where I want to be when I'm bored. I want to be the guy that's going to the dance on Friday nights 
as long as I can, as long as I'm alive, and just I, like that story pretty much summed it all up for me. So if you feet can move, yeah, you wake up in your just vertical keep dancing, every day. man. When you're dancing, you keep, you're moving. Man. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. So tell me about your appreciation or your fandom of the of the one and the only Tony Robbins. Yeah, why, so why, Tony. Why, yeah, why, that's, why, it's why interesting. When I was growing up, I didn't have a male role model. My dad was sketch and. I was raised by women for the most part, and my grandfathers were emotionally cut off, so I really didn't have a really good male role model. I've always been fascinated with personal development and all that stuff, and I've always been very fascinated with Tony Robbins from a stage presence and a business acumen, and a, he's a marketing genius. It, if you, aside from his self-help stuff, if you look at him as a businessman, he has done extraordinary things for marketing and all this stuff. So I was like, I always want to see him perform. I just want to see him perform. And so about six years ago, something popped up on my Facebook and it was one of his little weekend events. And it was in LA and I had friends in LA and I was like, it's on my birthday. I was like, that's kind of a sign. Like, you know, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to spend 500 bucks and I'll go check it out just so I can see him perform before he gets too old to, to do what he does. And I was kind of in a really low place at the time. My businesses weren't doing very well and I was just mentally in a bad space. And I went to his event, and the second night, I think it was the second night, he does this experience he takes you through, and it blew me wide open. And for the first time in my life, which is crazy, it was the first time I'd ever felt self-love. And this is like, I'm an old man. So I was like, holy cow. And so he blew me wide open, and then I still, you know, I still like him from his business and all that stuff. But there's something about him as a quote-unquote for me, a role model in that he's confident, he's kind, and that's kind of what I needed in my life and what I still need in my life. And I, I kind of model a little bit of his energy, you know, and that's that's what I think attracted me to his presence and his message and all that other stuff. So I think there's somebody like that for everyone. It doesn't have to be Tony or Tim Ferriss or a monk or it could be anybody, right? But the there's somebody that I think as men, there's somebody we need to look up to and say, you know, that guy's got some of the juice and I want to build a little bit of that juice in me. So the healthy, green, tasty guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Stuff that makes you vibrant and uh, be yeah, ready to take positive, like, positive yeah. vibes. Yeah, positive, positive vibes for sure. So, yeah, so I, you know. Still a big fan, and, and I credit him to a lot of my, my growth, you know, and I, wow. I watch a lot of his stuff, and I've actually volunteered at some of his events, which has been super cool. And nice. uh, Well, you know, I like me, the Tony. He's the yeah, yeah. Mr. Robbins. Uh, he, he's a very, very creative, energetic fella. I don't know how he does 10 hours in one day, but the man's got it mastered, and that's pretty special. Super. I, you, don't see, you don't see people who can, who can maintain that. Did, here's a question. Did you ever have somebody that you looked up to like that? When my you were, my dad. Your dad? My dad. And, and I'll tell you what. Good old, I call him good old Patty Jabber Jowls. I don't call him that. Jabber Jowls? Jabber Jowls. Like okay, Jowls. I don't call him that to his face because he'd punch me. Okay. But, but, no, he wouldn't punch me. He never did. But he wouldn't appreciate if I called him Jabber Jowls, uh -huh. which is a nickname I gave him a long time ago as a joke. Okay. He didn't appreciate it. Nonetheless, let's get back to, back to the facts. My dad, Pat Hines. Hi, Pat. So my dad is this guy I always looked up to. He was a tough guy, you know, yeah. tough SOB, Sunset Irishman, difficult around the edges, yelled a lot. But when the S hit the fan uh -huh. and my life was dwindling down 
into a complete rabbit hole of mental pain uh-huh. and, and a great deal of, of uh, as some would call, suffering from this mental struggle, this brain pain. My dad was the only person at the time before I met my lovely Margaret. My dad was the only guy and person to take me in and say, I got you no matter what. I'm never going to let you go. Uh, and no matter what you do to me, no matter how difficult you become, son, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to you. When a lot of people in my life were like, we need to get the hell away from Kevin Hines. And that kind of strength you don't see every day. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you know, you talked about in brevity about your difficult relationship with your dad. And if you wanted to, we can get into that. If not, I totally get it. But my dad, we had a tough relationship. But today, you know, I'll never forget the day he called me out of the blue and said, hey, Kev, you know when I took you sailing? And I was like, yeah, did we used to go sailing like, mm-hmm. you know, in the little tiny, I don't know, doohickey sailboat. And I was, he was trying to teach me sailing, and I was very, I was terrible at it. I didn't okay. understand it. I couldn't, I didn't know what the jib was versus whatever the hell the rest of it's mm-hmm. called. And I'm messing up the whole thing. We're going off wind. We're tipping over, and he's getting really upset, and he's just screaming at me. And he calls me about, I would say, a little less than a year ago. This is a man who yelled all of our relationship. Okay. He called me less than a year ago, and he goes, Kev, uh, I just want to call you uh, to tell you that I'm sorry. Oh, I, said, wow. what are you, I said, what are you sorry for, Dad? This man who doesn't say sorry for anything. What are you sorry for, Dad? I'm sorry I yelled at you the time I, that time I took you sailing. Oh, wow. And I, I sat there like, did he just say that time? Like that one, <laughs> one time? Hasn't been happening. Has it been happening? You know, 30 years, you mean? You know, but, but what I recognized in that moment, and I'm comfortable saying today, and I'll show this to him before I post it, what I, what I recognized then is he meant every time. Yeah. Because this is a man who's never said he's sorry to anyone for anything. He's a tough guy, raised in a tough life, had a tough childhood. Mm. But here he is, never letting me go. And every time I was in mental pain before I met Margaret, mm. he had my back. And he had me on lock. And when everyone else was worried about his toughness, mm. I'm sorry, but he was there for me That's in cool. a big way. Yeah. And so I always looked up to him, always. It was, his, it was his stature. It was his ability to walk in a room and everyone would be like, oh, look, it's Pat Hunt. Okay. Or if they didn't know him, they'd be like, who is that guy? As he gets older, you know, as we get older, we do, we get slower. We get uh, more methodical about our reasoning. and our, our, We become more humble, you know, because we can't do as many things as we used to be able to do. So he's in that stage of life right now. But God darn it, I love you, Pat Hines. Best dad a kid could ever have. That's cool. And, and that's really my hero. If you look outside of, of my dad into, like, the world of, you know, pop culture and, sure. you know, who do you look up to, it's very simple. The man has one name, and it's, uh, well, two words, The Rock. Uh, the Rock, for Dwayne, sure. Dwayne Johnson, his story impacted me and has impacted me in a huge way over my lifetime. You know, when I, here's an example. My father got me a signed copy of The Rock's book, The Rock Says. There was a passage in it about his severe depression and his potential issues with, uh, I think, maybe potentially some suicidal thinking. Oh, wow. And how he broke free from that uh, in his situation of poverty after being canceled from the uh, CFL. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he talks about how the depression was going to, destroy his life and how he used faith and the struggle to move forward to get past the depression. Now he still goes through it sometimes. Right. He, he's talked about it multiple occasions in multiple platforms. But in that book, The Rock Says, which was the first place he ever spoke upon it, I was in a suicidal crisis oh, really? while reading that passage. Oh, wow. It kept me here. And so that, in a sense, if you look outside of my family and the people around me, his ability to connect to people of all walks of life from all around the world with what he's built, the most bankable movie star in the world, forget all that. That guy spoke to me with just a one sentence in that book that I carried with me for the rest of my life. It is so wild that, I mean, that's what you're doing now. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now there are people seeing you. It's just amazing how it all works. You know, I didn't think about it like that, but he inspired everything that I'm doing right now, him along, along with my dad, too. You know, it was my dad who, my Uncle Kevin, may he rest in peace. Hey, Kev. Hey, Kev. Uh, named after Patrick Kevin Hines, John Kevin Hines, Kevin Joseph Ryan. It was the two of them, Pat and Kev, that put me on this path of speaking and sharing my story. And Uncle Kevin would, he would sit there in every speech and he would say, Kevin, let me tell you what you did wrong. <laughs> you know? You would just like, no, no comment. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, once in a while, he'd be like, okay, that was solid. You actually read the book I gave you on public speaking. That's I awesome. can see that passage from this page in this chapter. Solid. And my dad was similar. It was like, how can you get better every day? And how can you reach more people? But back to you, Mr. Humphreys. We've, we've got a lot more to cover. I want to know. About your about your blogging. First of all, I think the word blog is a terrible word, but I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't have another word for it. But I just think it's a terrible word. So here's an interesting story. When I was growing up, I failed every spelling test in high school. I can't spell to this day. I can't spell. I don't want to label myself. I can't spell, but I can't spell. And so grammar was never my thing at all. Worst subject. And then when I went to college, whatever the course was where you do all the writing, writing papers and stuff, I got a D. It's the only D I've ever gotten in my life. You know, I'm like a B, couple C's once in a while student. And so writing is the farthest thing from my skill set on earth. Like I, there's, I can't write. There's no way I can write. Well, a girlfriend of mine had a big blog here in Atlanta and uh, she's like, here, fine, dude. I've got to put these blogs out all the time. Why don't you write one and then I'll use it? I said, well, I can't write. I've failed, you know, English and this and that. She's like, no, no, you're funny. Just write one and I'll fix the spelling or whatever and we'll put it out. I'm like, all right. So I wrote one and sent it to her and she edited it up a little bit. She's like, that was amazing. I was like, what are you talking about? It's amazing. She's like, it's funny. And she put it on her site and it got a lot, a lot of people liked it. I was like, holy shit. And so she's like, write another one. I was like, okay. So came up with a, a blog about selfies. We were making fun of selfies when the selfie revolution was coming out. The selfie revolution. Yeah. So I had like these pictures. These are the worst selfies in the world. Whatever. You can still find yeah, it, it somewhere. And she put it up on her site and it went viral. It crashed her site and then it was shared a million times around the world. Right. And I'm not saying this to say that I'm some amazing writer, but it was interesting how I thought the only thing I can't do, like the one thing I'm terrible at now was just shared a million times around the world. And so when that happened, I was like, man, so I started my own blog where I write and I'm not the best writer, but I'm, I'm putting out some stuff on my blog. And what I've found out is blogging is the hardest thing to do because you have to push send or publish and when you do, if you're honest and vulnerable in your writings, you're terrified to push that button, right? Because everybody comes to me, like, I want to start a blog. No, you don't. Because when you do, you have to say, you know, this is what's going on with me, if, if you're honest, right? I mean, there's a lot of people saying, you should do this, and here's the five steps of that. But what I started doing was writing, you know, I'm lonely, and it sucks, and I went through depression last week and it sucked. And this is, and this is what happened to me. And there it is. Right. And then it started like, I'm sure you get a lot of it. It's like, people were like, Oh my God, thank you for saying that. And that hit me, whatever. And so I started connecting with people, but you know, it's been an outlet for me to like purge a little bit of, of what's going on with me. And then it helps a few other people, which is interesting, but it's very scary for me. And I think a lot of people to be vulnerable 
to the world or to Facebook or whatever it is. It's not not like Instagram is like, look at me and my filter and I'm in, on vacation or whatever. Mine was like, my business sucks right now and I'm super depressed and I almost hate myself. Mm. And I'm fighting through it, whatever, whatever. Messing it out. And that's what people want. That's That's what they respond to. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. And my takeaway of with it has been it's taught me vulnerability, which is powerful, but it's also taught me that the limitations we think we have might not be limitations at all, right? Mm. And so go out there, try things, and do things, make documentaries, and like write stories, and like do the creative things that you don't think you can because you might be able to do them, you know, and you might be amazing at them. The 98th percentile, are you aware of that? The 98th percentile, 2% of the population of the world fully actualizes all of their goals in life. Really? You sound like you are part of the 98th percentile. I don't know about uh, that. But... Well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And, and uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by your story. Fascinated by you as a human being. Point of reference, I love Chido and Padres. Thank you. That, Thank you. That Poblano thingamajig mm-hmm. that you make. Mm-hmm. Which I make it. I you make, make it myself. By himself. Every alone, time. Every time it's ordered. I'm the only person He just runs it. to the yeah. kitchen. If he has to go, if it's ordered right if now. we get an order now, pager, I have to go. He's going to get the hell out of here. Right. I made that Poblano right. thingamajig. I don't know what it's called, but I know I love it. Do you want to know a secret that no one free. knows in I'm, the world? I want to know all the secrets. Earmuffs, everyone else. I own the restaurant and a couple of bars. I have no idea how to cook. <laughs> what? I am a grown man. I promise I have no, I could probably cook scrambled eggs if I tried. And I've, yeah, I've always been single. I've always lived alone. So I've, I've eaten out every single meal my whole life, which I know is terrible and all that stuff, but I have no idea how to cook. But that's for another podcast. That's yes. another time. That's that's not neither here nor there, but I, I can't cook. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll just stay here for a couple of weeks and eat with you guys. Let's do it. Let's do You're it. You're welcome. Thank you. I want to go back for a minute. We, we talked, we, we briefly spun by something. I think it's really important we touch upon it because if we're going to make an impact, like you do with your blogs, mm-hmm. which we hate that word. Let's call it something else. Those things we write that don't need articles to, that don't need to have grammatical spelling issues with them or not. Do they call blogs blogs in Australia? Uh, we'll have to fix that too. <laughs> okay, I think Australian people are the coolest people in the world. Why? I'm just telling your wife that. Tell me why. Me They're the generally very happy and optimistic. They're laid back and they're kind. The ones I've met. Right, so I, I just uh, never mind. None of those, none of those are true. The, the British people are the best people. No, uh, no, I love Australian people. There's something well, there's an energy Lord, about. Lord's like a hybrid Australian British person. So we talked briefly for like a hot second about self hatred. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta be real with you, and I talked about this in my in my speeches in my past. Mm-hmm. But being vulnerable is hard for for a man. Uh, and we're gonna get right into after this about your exchange group. I want to know about that, but. I have lived well with mm-hmm. on, on and off self-loathing. I would say most of my life that I can recall. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it had a lot to do with a few things. The verbal and physical abuse I would get as a, as a kid in grade school from the other kids. There was uh, definitely a, a high intensity hate factor for me not looking like them. And that was really rough. Mm-hmm. There were the eighth graders that picked me up and put me in trash cans and told me that's what I was because of what I looked like. Because I, I was adopted and all those kind of things. And, you know, that stays with you sure. for the rest of your life. And I was a fourth grader when they started doing that, when they would hold my head down. You know, this is an eighth grader, you know. Mm-hmm. Guy ends up becoming a cop later on. He's holding my head down. I'm, I'm, I'm in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And he's calling me all kinds of racial slurs. I, I never met the guy. Like, why, why do you hate me? 
You know, I, I don't understand. And I would go home, and I remember they they would say this thing over to me over and over and over again. The, all these adult, you know, yeah, you know, eighth graders. I mean, they, not, all these eighth graders. Right. Let me go back. Is this going to be harder to cut? Get even space. All of these eighth grade kids. When I was in fourth grade, there was a group of them that were they were the, the sons of what's called the SDI, the Sunset District Irish. Okay. Which was a a hateful group of Italian and Irishmen who, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, committed a lot of hate crimes. Their sons went to the school I went to in grade school. And their sons hated anybody who was part anything but white. Okay. I'm I'm many things. My my background is is black, Arawak, Indian, Portuguese, Scottish, Irish, English, Italian, Mexican. And when they got wind of that, they, it was torturous what they did to me. And I don't even think any of them could, would even remember. Sure. Or care. Sure. That that affected the rest of my life. Sure. And that I would look in the mirror every day. And say, I hate you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You're useless. You have no value. Mm-hmm. But I would keep it inside. Mm-hmm. I kept it inside. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my friends for the longest time. In fourth grade was the first time I ever heard voices, auditory hallucinations. You wonder why, right? And what I'm trying to say, my friend, is that I feel your pain. I certainly don't understand it. I, don't, I wasn't where you were or, what you were or living what you went through. But that self-loathing that we find ourselves in as men, we got to talk about it. That's why I love what you're doing with the exchange. So can you tell us about your experience with self-hatred a little more, if you want to, yeah. and about the exchange and how you're bringing men together to have real conversations about healing? Yeah, it's guys don't like to talk, right? We don't like to be vulnerable. And, you know, the history of the world is guys have been warriors, right? Tribal, you protect the village, you protect the tribe, you protect your warriors, so you've got to be, and even in war today, you know, men, young men go to war today, and you've got to cut the emotion out because you gotta, you're in war, right? So, but now we're in this time where it's like, oh, now you gotta connect to your feelings and you gotta be emotional and you gotta be this and that. So I think for men, it's very confusing. What are we? What vulnerable? If I'm going to war, I'm not gonna be vulnerable. I'm gonna be a warrior. And then when I come back from war, now I gotta be vulnerable and all this stuff. So I think it's, it's very confusing. But, you know, the self hatred thing for me, I don't know where it came from. But I know that I, I hated myself a long time, and I never loved myself, right? And so last year, I did this thing. I'll do these weird creative things. And in Jan- uh, December, I was like, I'm going to folk- make this month all about love. Like, I'm going to figure out love. I'm going to research it. I'm going to wear heart socks. I'm going to write <laughs> love poems. I'm going to talk to everybody can about love. I'm going to talk, you know, love therapist. I'm just going to you know, figure it all out. Oh, and, you know, I might be able to write a blog about it or, you know, see what happens because, you know, I've been single a long time. And I got to figure this out. And my North star is love. Like that's the only thing that I'm, that's like my North star. So, and I have a lot of issues from building walls when I was little to keep the pain out. I was so disappointed by my dad and some other things that I was like, no one's ever going to hurt me again. So I just built these walls. I'm not going to be emotional. The heart shut down. Screw you people. Here we are. I'm safe. And so now I've been doing a lot of work to tear those walls down so I can have an intimate relationship with friends and family and open up and all that stuff we've been talking about. But when I was doing this month of love in December, I'd always ask people the same three questions. And I think I asked like 70 people, just random people. I always ask, what's your definition of love? And every answer was different. Nobody really knew, right? Which is totally fine. I don't really know what 
the definition is. And then the second question I always asked was, how many times have you been in love? And you'd see them bounce around in their head, and most would say two or three times. And I thought that was very interesting. And then after I got through those questions, I would ask, do you love yourself? And 70 people asked that question. I would say 64 said no. And what that told me was a lot of us don't love ourselves. And I don't even know if loving yourself is a thing. I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's possible. I do believe that you, you can be kind to yourself. I think you can be accepting of yourself. I think you can be proud of yourself, those things. But like, do you love yourself? That's a weird thing for me. But seeing everybody say no, except for a few people. And the few people that said yes, when I asked them that question, they just smile. It, just, it was just automatic. It was just, it was like, yes, of course. And so I knew it was true. And others would be like, well, I, you know, or no, or whatever it was. And so I think it's an epidemic that we all got to figure out. Maybe it's part of everybody's journey. I don't know, but it's a fascinating thing. Look at how many people and how many cultures, societies, subcultures, job descriptions, occupations are dying by suicide today. Mm -hmm. That all stems from self-hatred. That's mm -hmm. the greatest self-hatred you can possibly have is to take your life. I tried it at 19. Mm -hmm. I tried, I, I, I went for it at 18. Would you do me a favor? Yeah. Would you ask me those three questions? Yes, I will. What is your definition of love? Hope. Hope? Yeah. That's good. How many times in your life have you been in love? Exactly two. Exactly two. Yeah. And they are? They are with who? Or? They are with one person that is no longer with us. Right. And they are with the woman upstairs, my Margaret Hines. Mm -hmm. And do you love yourself? Absolutely. And how long have you loved yourself? I've loved myself for about five months. And was there something that turned it? Was there a moment? Was there something that yeah. helped you yes. find that? I was at a hotel. I, I was in a lot of pain physically. My oh. pain comes and goes. My physical pain. I have, I have a chronic skin disease. And I was working. I worked out for six hours straight because I, could, I couldn't right. do anything to make the pain go away but work out so I could cause more pain physically to think about something else besides the physical right. pain that was ailing me. And I have talked to myself, I have inner dialogue, mm -hmm. and I have voices that I hear in my head all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. I, I told you about my demons mm -hmm. that I see. And for the longest time, I would do this. I would look at, the, look at something that doesn't exist, me, that doesn't exist, I would say, I hate you. I'm going to kill you, Kevin. There's nothing you can do. It's inevitable. I hate you. I'm always going to hate you. You would say that's visualizing Jesus, yourself. I, I could see me over there okay. wearing the same outfit, just, I'm going to get you, Kev. And it was always, since I was a child, I've done this. And Kev looks back to me. I mean, this is, I feel insane saying this, but he looks back at me and he, and he finally goes, Kevin, stop. So what do you mean? You're, you're doing it. So now I'm, gonna, I'm done. Oh, wow. I'm done hurting you. You hurt enough. You hurt enough for a long time. I'm sorry. I love you. And I'll never try to kill you again. And we'll not have this conversation again. I apologize. And he got up and walked away. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen him since. Really? Yeah. Did that, that come? Was that shocking to you when that happened? Extremely. I mean, I think it had to do with lack of sleep and everything. Or 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 or, 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 or I was just finally done with hating. Yeah. Myself. Because I've hated myself for a long time. Yeah. I never had this conversation with anyone. Shit. Fuck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I hated myself for a long time, and I looked at me and I was like, Kevin, enough. You're a good dude. No matter what 
things you've done in your life that have hurt other people, no matter what things you've done to hurt yourself, mm -hmm. you can move forward. It's about, I feel like it's about belief. Do you accept yourself? Yes, today? Yeah. Yeah, I accept my flaws. I have a lot of them. I accept my misunderstandings of other people and how I, I am sometimes judgmental of them too, not just myself. Right. You know, my mom taught me, Debbie Hines taught me, it, as a child, mm -hmm. okay, you know, we have an interesting relationship now. It's kind of been a strange one, but she taught me to always be kind, compassionate, loving, caring, empathetic, and non-judgmental to every person I ever come into contact with, no matter their behavior toward me. So the, the majority of my childhood to my adult life, that's how I ran my life. And then I forgot about it. I began judging people for their actions or for their thoughts or for their emotions or what I thought about them. And I realized, you know, my mom judges me for my decisions even today, even though she taught that to me in a way. She didn't say those words. That's how I interpreted what she taught me as a child growing up. My father, on the other hand, was very judgmental of people. He was very wary, wary of people, like, you know, mistrustfully. Like, I don't know you until I know you. You know what I'm saying? And when I went back to being kind to people after I broke myself and I had to get back up from the ground, I felt self-love again. And it came in the form of hope for myself. And that's why when you asked me, what is love? I said hope, because for me, that's what it's all about. If I can't find hope, I, I have no purpose. Yeah. If I have no purpose, I can't stay here. Yeah. So, and that's also why I maintain that I'll never kill myself, even though I still have suicidal thoughts, which is, can be confusing. And so are those thoughts, out of curiosity, as strong as they have ever been, or how do you... No, no, not, not at all. They're in control. Because every, oh. time I, every, every time I feel suicidal, it's not so much um, uh, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to make this plan. Mm. But when I have suicidal thoughts, I absolutely turn to the person in front of me and say, I need help now in some way, shape, or form. Oh, wow. And that's the greatest form of self-love. Inside the, inside the suicidal thinking, I can always ask for help. That's and awesome. if you say no, I'll go to Lauren. If Lauren says no, I'll go to Taishan. Most importantly, I'm going to martyr first on my dad. Mm. And they will get me to a safe place because of my self-love. It's so interesting. You know, we were talking about this exchange earlier, which is this organization I started for men. And I was on a podcast yesterday, and it was, it was about success, this and that. And the guy interviewing was like, what's the, what's the number one thing you've learned about getting better as a man or as a person or as a business person? And I was telling him the one thing that I had to learn that was the hardest lesson was to ask for help. The only way that we will ever advance or progress or grow in anything is when we ask for help or we, we get it outside of us. So it's so wild that you just said, you know, one of your things is I have to turn and ask for help. Just connect. Or that, That's a very interesting, interesting thing to hear. For you what are you hopeful for for the future you know i right now i hope we stop the amazon rainforest or fires you know yeah that's a crazy thing I, going I, on. It, it's terrifying you know every every fifth breath is going to be taxed very soon you know and that, that's a wild thing to think about but but on, on a on a scale of for the realm of prevention of and wellness i think i hope that we reduce the numbers of, of, of suicide in human in society around the world by 25 percent in the next five years if we can because i think that if we can help people all around the world through our efforts find self-love inside their self-hatred and stay here, they're going to create relationships that change lives as they grow older. One of the greatest questions I've ever been asked by people is, what, what would you have missed? Yeah. Look at what I would have missed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into it now, but like everything that matters to me, everyone that matters to me today, I would have missed them being an integral part of my life, 
my wife's life, my father's life, my friend's life, my family's life, my colleague's lives. I would have missed being the godparent with Margaret to her two godchildren who are the most beautiful, cute little pumpkins on the face of the planet. Shout out to Zoe and Judah. We love you. You're probably two young wives. I know that's important, but yeah. you would have missed being here with me. I would have missed being here with the, you. But I have, do have one more In question. Present. Exactly. As you were talking earlier, and we're probably over time here. No, we're good. Time, time is relevant. It. The only commodity we really have in life is time. Everyone says it yeah. doesn't have, they don't have time. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just saying that because they want to get rid of you. Right, you know, you, you said earlier your mother taught you to be kind, compassionate. loving, compassionate, you know, which I think is the ultimate values that we can teach. And I think in general, as humans, we, we pretty much do that for other people. You know, there's some people that don't or whatever, but we, why is it so hard for us to do that for ourselves? Do you think, or it's a weird, like I can be kind to people and it's not very hard. Being kind to myself is very hard. What is that about? If you have any... I think that we are unkind to ourselves. Sure. Because of every hateful, spiteful, hurtful, negative thing that's ever been done or said to us or about us. I think that we internalize mm. or have internalized everything that's ever broken us down. And then we play it over and over again in our heads called perseveration, right? Mm -hmm. So when you hear things like recite, repeat, believe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, every, every faith is based on reciting, repeating, and believing. Mm -hmm. If your internal dialogue is recite, repeat, believe what other people have said about you. If you were bullied as a kid from the from kindergarten sure. through ninth grade, all you remember when you go home to your loving family is that everyone at school f fucking hates you. Yeah. You know, or, or that's the feeling anyway. So you go home, you get in bed, and all you feel is this, oh, I'm a horrible person. It's true. They yeah. all hate me. They think I, they all say I'm yeah. ugly. They say my ears are too big, my nose is too big. They call me beak face. You know, so I, I am ugly. I am stupid. I am dumb. That's why that we're doing this podcast is, is to show people that they can look in the mirror and they can retrain the negative inner critical voice. The negative inner critical voice runs a lot of people's lives. So like when you're working with a young person, yeah. it's going to that. Because there's a yeah. lot of kids who go through that. Yeah. I mean, shit, as adults, we go through that, yeah. right? What do you tell them? To, I mean, how do you get them to believe and do some of the small things that you say start doing, right? So I do it with young people and adult alike. When, when there's thousands of people in a room, uh -huh. we do an immediate reversal of those thoughts. Okay. So I'll ask an audience, I'll say, how many of you, adult and child alike in this room, have ever felt useless, worthless, or, or dumb? And, and, and hundreds and hundreds of hands go up. I've asked anyone who felt that way to come down from the bleachers in a, t in a school filled with 1,200 people, 350 kids came down one time oh, and stood wow. behind me. I just started crying. I started crying. And I said, principal, do you see this? He was like, yeah, I see it. I said, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And, I, and I said, okay, I'm going to say my name. You say your name, then repeat after me. All right. We are going to do a negative inner critical voice reversal right here, right now. And we're going to do it together. Everybody else join in. My name, your name, repeat after me. And I yell, my, I yell, Kevin. And they yell, Sally. Uh -huh. James, whoever, yeah. it, but it's thousands of people. And I go, I am. And they go, I am. And I go, beautiful. And they go, beautiful. And uh -huh. we go along this line of positive yeah. affirmation. And I say, when I'm done, and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs. And at the end of it, they go, I'm gorgeous. And they, they, they're all smiling and laughing at themselves because so they feel so goofy inside for saying that, right. especially the guys are like, I'm gorgeous. You know? But they're, yeah. they're still having a blast. And for the first time in a while, these are a lot of these kids have never said, yeah, these things sure, to themselves sure. in, in years. And we end up connecting in a way that's very deep and emotional. And then I, I say to them, every time you look in the mirror and you hear that negative and critical voice that says something hurtful, spiteful, or aggressive to yourself, immediately reverse it. 
the absolute opposite gotcha. of that. Gotcha. And do it every time. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the point of 21 days, that's a habit. When you do it 365 days, that's cool. you know it because you recite, repeat, believe, and now you know you love yeah. yourself. And as you're saying that, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm a believer in positive affirmations and all that stuff. And it's interesting because when you first start saying those as a person, you don't believe it. And so you get discouraged, so you quit. Yeah. I'm sure you come across that. When I first started, I remember somebody told me to do mirror work when I was blowing out. And this therapist was like, oh, look in, look in your eyes, say I love you. I was like, all right. <laughs> couldn't get anywhere near the mirror for the first week. Finally got to the mirror, couldn't look in my own eyes. And then finally I did it one time and it just broke me and I was crying and all this crazy stuff because I didn't believe it. And all, but I got up and did it the next day, a little easier, I got up. And it just got easier and easier and easier. So it's it's interesting because you tell people, I am beautiful. Well, you're not going to believe that for a while. No. But then you are. Yeah. You have to believe and hope that it's coming. You're going to believe that. You're going to turn. And that's going to save your life. That's a beautiful thing. You're literally retraining mm-hmm. the synapses and neurons in your brain mm-hmm. from hate to love. It's like all that stuff you went through. Those kids yeah. were programming your mind with all that negative content. And you've had to reverse that with your new life, which is really amazing. Your whole story is unbelievably amazing. And uh, I'm glad that I was there the whole time to help you through it. Brother, you know what? I think we'll end it right there. Trail for everybody. This is the man, the the legend himself. How do do people find you online? Uh, They can go to my website, IamTrey.com is the easiest. Or Trey Goes Global is my handles on everything. He's got to handle it all. Yeah, I wish. of the year. All right. Brother, thank you for coming down. Thank you for talking to us. Really appreciate it. It's all, all ours. My friends, family, folks at home, people in pain, we appreciate your time. We wish you well. We wish you the best. We want you to be here tomorrow. And every day after that, you are beautiful. You are loved. You are welcome in our lives. Be here tomorrow. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye, brother. I'm, I'm beautiful. You're beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. that beautiful. You're I'm that good looking. You're sexy now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Take it away. Cut. 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 Margaret and I love sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. For more content and inspiration, go to KevinHindsStory.com or visit us on all social medias at Kevin Hines Story or on YouTube.com slash Kevin Hines.